0: serene outside scene with one dark face that has a mysterious reflection in a window that isn't there. A
1: facade of a building with a window outside. The
2: idea of a warmer, brighter, summery place when it's cold outside. The whole scene is very happy,
0: except for this really, really dark black urn on the center.
2: That's a South American... Somewhere in South America. It's nice and warm. In the middle of summer, the heat and everything blooming and so forth.
3: Arizona or New Mexico,
4: perhaps Texas. This is Rebecca Smith. You're listening to Quoted, the Question of the Day podcast. It's an audio montage of on-the-spot answers to one good question. In this episode, we make up a story about a painting. We try to explain who is the artist and how did that painting end up in my living room. Brian and I had some people over after dinner. We sat around the fireplace and improvised a story about the painting that hangs above the piano. So what you're about to hear is the story that we made up uh, that night. Thank you for listening and enjoy.
5: There was a soccer championship. They had this huge celebration. They tore up the flag because it was, it was carried around so much. Somebody took this giant flag and put it outside to just try to help them remember the victory that their local team
6: had had.
7: It's a fireplace.
8: It's a fireplace with a blanket and some flowers and a black vase behind it.
2: That that
6: blanket is draped very closely to the fire and seems very dangerous.
2: It's the middle of summer or something, so that that blanket can be there and not be bursting into flame.
6: This was something hastily put together to be painted. Uh, and the blanket does look very quickly and casually strewn across the top of the mantle. The colors are very warm.
1: There's a lot of orange in this painting.
9: Which makes the afghan really stick out. Ah, oh, it's a painting of a... Nice fireplace with a lovely wooden mantle upon it,
7: and with these objects on the mantle, uh, like an afghan, a blue striped afghan,
6: light blue and deep purple striped, and plants. It's likely something the artist put on there quickly to create an interesting scene.
7: Maybe it's an azalea in a pot that's sitting on the the af the blue afghan. It
10: looks like bougainvillea, but. That's not native to Minnesota.
1: Spider plants. The spider plant. Uh,
10: the house has a lot of light in it. Homey. Well, this is an arts and crafts home with beautiful detail.
5: I want to call it a duplex. There's, a, there's, there's units on both sides.
7: In the mirror above the mantel, uh, there's reflections of windows.
5: Flowers.
8: In the mirror is an open door.
0: When you paint it as a fireplace, inside with a mirror built into it, it starts to make a lot more sense.
8: That is actually my my favorite part of the painting.
1: It is indeed a fireplace with a
7: mantle. And then there's a black, tall, thin vase next to it
2: and a bushy grassy thing on the bottom. This is not done from a model or something that someone was looking at, but they were trying to capture a feeling or a moment or something like that. The
8: perspective of the painting is actually fairly interesting to me, which makes me think that possibly the painter might not be a trained artist, but might be somebody who's painting for fun.
4: So that's the painting. It's a warm picture of a fireplace. It has uh, personal items sitting on the mantle. You have uh, the blue afghan, the black vase, flowers, and some spider plants hanging around. By the way, you can see that painting on the website. It's at questionpodcast.com. If you can, please do me a favor and share it on your social media feed. We are, in fact, looking for the real artist. I would love to have a conversation with that person. In the meantime, let's get back to our story, where we pick up with a description of an imaginary artist.
11: This was painted by
7: Helena Suzanne Adams.
5: It was like she was almost gliding like she was a dancer. She had the grace of a dancer, even just in simple walking, even with clunky boots. It was amazing how graceful she could she could be. Yeah, I remember that she was tall. Uh, carried herself very, very
0: well. Most of the women that I know are about my height. They're quite a bit shorter, and so it was strange to look up at her.
5: She had long, dark hair, green eyes, chunky leather boots. I don't know if it was her boots or if she was just really that tall but frequently wore her hair piled on top of her head purposely
0: disheveled she was always looking down at me with these big green eyes she smelled like
6: green apples she smelled like apples or something
10: was top in tupperware sales in dallas texas
6: it's pretty well known that helena was interested in tupperware for quite a long time
10: but she strived for something more
6: creative She grew up in a family of Tupperware salesmen, and uh, her father and mother both were uh, a part of that community. Very
3: nice, had a couple of kids, but she was never really fulfilled, you know. She's been alone for a while.
9: She has a little bit of asthma, which is why she lives in the dry, warm climate.
12: Yes, you moved there.
3: Her goal was to be a good mom and a good wife.
12: I'm Larry Adams, I'm Helena's husband. Well, I guess I should say ex-husband. She took up paintings because
0: her father died a few years ago, maybe three.
12: Right after Larry Jr. graduated school and was off his own, I, I thought Helena and I would travel, but but things didn't work out. Her dad was sick and she had to go to Dallas. I understood, I, I was gonna be alone for a while, but it was important to her so I tried to be supportive.
3: Therapeutic, to help her grieve the loss of her father. And that's what that black urn is. That's what led her to the painting class. The
0: painting was the method to get through it.
3: Because she felt like she needed to improve herself and to be um, creative and to have something that was hers and not her kids, not her husband.
12: Well, I, I don't think anybody notices when they start drifting apart, you just drift apart. I mean, there was an age difference. Helena had gone to school, uh, to college, right after high school, and and I had been in the Army. I did two hitches. I was eight years in, and and then I went to college on the GI Bill. So there was the age difference, but we were in love. It didn't make any sense to me. Just suddenly one day, it seemed there was a change. Um, Helena seemed a little bit bored. And I can understand that, because I was still traveling for work and she was home. But as long as Larry Jr. was around, there was stuff for her to do. Um, When Larry Jr. went away, I think that the boredom got to her.
3: So she decided to take the painting class, and um, that was one of her first works that she was incredibly proud of, and so she uh, displayed it in her living room for many years.
12: During that summer that Helena spent with her dad in Dallas, she, she started taking art classes.
3: Well, they held them at the community center. It took a little convincing for him to um, to participate in that because he didn't really understand why she needed to take
10: the art class.
12: George was sick, but he didn't require 24-hour care, and she needed something to do.
10: Although she lived in Dallas, Texas, she grabbed a scene from the Caribbean that had the beautiful flowers and the blanket, and
7: that was her escape.
12: I just think that there wasn't enough to keep her busy, and she needed something.
7: She stumbled across this um, wonderful man. The father's next door neighbor was this young man,
10: youngish.
12: Maybe if she had kept taking pictures, taking pictures would have, would have provided that for her, but, but it didn't. She wasn't taking pictures, the camera equipment was gone. It was probably my fault. I shouldn't have let her sell it.
10: And he had helped the father, and that's how she met him.
12: After college, uh, Helena and I got married. I guess we always knew it was going to happen, just a matter of when. And about, oh, I guess it was probably a year and a half after we got married, George came along. (laughs) George was her dad's name. And we named him after him because she was really close to her dad. Once George came along, I was involved with work. We didn't take the trips because it was just so much trouble to pack up the baby and, and the camera equipment. And then w- one day we, we were looking for houses and we were really strapped for a down payment. And Helena said that she could sell her view camera. And I said, no, you shouldn't do that. But it seemed to make sense at the time. And Matt was the, was the gentleman
5: who had been sort of caretaking for her father.
7: And, uh... And I think the reason the Afghan is up there on the mantle is because they just had sex.
12: When we were in college, we would take weekend trips. And, and one summer, we even went out to the, uh, to the West. And, and yeah, Helena always just worshipped photographers like Ansel Adams and Edward Weston and their great black and white scenics. And she wanted to do that kind of work. And I liked camping and being outdoors, so I went along with her. We had a great time, we were in love. We, nothing was too much trouble. We we would hike up to the top of the mountain so she could get a better angle on some stupid sunrise shot.
7: It was like an opening for her, you know, and she wanted to commemorate it. She wanted to remember it as special for her.
5: She fell pretty hard, but Matt wasn't necessarily all that interested.
7: she doesn't know she'll see him again but she hopes so and so there she's she makes the painting of it
5: so this was a moment in time that sort of expresses sort of how she felt at the height of her time with Matt
1: this painting came at the height of her relationship with Matt uh, but she was also in class with Roger at the time
7: it's just that moment in time of who she was at that time But there's so much more to her
6: I'm actually uh, friends with the uh, teacher of the class that Helena took. Um, well, friends, uh, maybe more of an acquaintance, uh, but
13: his name is Roger. Yes, I, I do remember her. As a matter of fact, um, I've had a lot of students and some of them I don't remember anymore, <laughs> I'm sorry to say, but um, yes, I remember her very well. He, he mentioned
6: Helena as someone that he, he thought showed promise
13: And enthusiasm? Well, she was a little older than many of the students that come to me. And so she had a little different um, attitude toward the whole thing. I mean, she wasn't a flighty 20-year-old who, I want to be a great artist. That was not her uh, goal. Um, In fact, uh, at the beginning, I wasn't very sure about what her goal was and where she wanted to go with it
6: had a good sense
13: for color.
7: There's a richness to it. She she Either she did it because of her training, or instinctually she chose complementary colors as her dominant palette.
13: Well, yes. The earliest things that she did, um, she did some very quick studies and all of that. Um, It appeared to me, as I talked with her and looked at her work, that she had a conflict. There was something going on. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was with a boyfriend or God Almighty or whatever it happened to be. But she did not seem comfortable in her own skin. Perspective she was working on. So we started off doing um, what I call getting comfortable in your own skin kinds of work. And that, to a large extent, means you just fly. You uh, you put a time limit on their painting, and you ask them to go at it, and um, whatever happens is right. And you have to sort of pound that into them for a while before they get it. But whatever is, is. I am that I am. <laughs> and... That's a very, very, very important thing for her, uh, not only in her painting, but I'm sure in her life. So we did a lot of studies for a while. We sort of splashed around, frankly. We did some watercolors, which, of course, are extremely difficult, and you usually don't start off a beginner with <laughs> with that. Um, but we did we did some finger painting, and we did some... I don't know, we'd, we'd throw things at the canvas and see what will stick. Um, and through that process, something happened to her. He, he mentioned this painting
6: specifically, actually, as a way for her to practice that perspective.
13: I really don't think she could have painted this without resolving what was going on with her, which I never did discover, by the way. And... None of my business, anyhow.
8: <laughs> it looks like it was composed with one or two brushes, like the background was composed with, you know, one flat, big brush, but then all the details were created with one or two brushes, which kind of indicates to me that it was, it was somewhat of an amateur.
13: But this still life has a, how should I say it, a very soothing quality to it. The um, scarf and the green plants. And there she is right in the middle (laughs) she is just sitting there quite calmly uh and it's a little hard for a vase to do anything but sit calmly but um that's what i saw i saw that it was her and um
6: there's some break in the perspective but it's it's pretty good um but especially the color, I think the color is very nice. And Roger did too.
13: Of course, it's not remarkable for any artist to incorporate himself or herself into the painting in various kinds of ways. Oftentimes, it's unconscious.
7: As an abstract, uh, perspective isn't necessarily, you don't have to do it in perfect perspective. What's more important is your composition and your
13: color. If somebody else looks at it, of course, they don't see that. and if I had not had my previous experience with her, of course, I would have just said, "Well, it's an interesting still life, blah 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 blah." Obviously, she has some
7: technique, and and there's a lot of energy in it and a lot of um, warmth in it that says something about her, her you know the fact she would move home to help take care of her father before he died. But
13: after I, after I went through it with her. And this was her. This is what she came up with. I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away.
5: <laughs> After her time with Matt was over, it changed her emotionally.
13: You can't pack everybody off to a psychiatrist. It just doesn't work that way. <laughs> if you're talking about an artist, they work out their problems, whatever they need, whatever it is, um, through their art. That's nothing new. And playwrights have been doing it, and novelists have been doing it, and painters and sculptors, and, you know, we can go to any period in history, and that's that's the case. So um, Now, I don't know if she was coming off of that, and something had happened, um, which, of course, wouldn't be new. Um, that's psychiatrist kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm an artist. So...
9: She became a bit more adventurous and tried different things.
7: Maybe why she started a relationship with with her painting teacher, Roger.
1: Abstracts of Tupperware.
9: She worked with a
5: medium that she understood. And she felt the need to to try to do something else because this sort of felt like it was in the past and it wasn't as important to anymore. So she tried to do some stuff with abstracts. She started with what it was that she knew, which was Tupperware.
4: Some people thought her earlier Tupperware work was um, offensive in some ways. It wasn't that
5: people were offended by the imagery in it or anything like that. It just it, it, they just didn't feel anything terribly original about it. And she was kind of derided as somebody not very interesting.
10: However, I think the one show with the stick figures was alienating. The press was right that it was not proper. Not proper, not indicative of some of the higher museums uh, openings that she had in that it was a little, it was upsetting.
0: It was so mundane. It was so simple to most people. However, Tupperware is expensive. It's not something you can just have lying around. So on one hand, it was boring. On the other hand, it was exclusive. It spoke of inequality. She might not have had a lot of money, but there was so much Tupperware lying around, this expensive commodity, and she could just stack it up and paint it whenever she wanted. Not everybody has opportunities like that.
2: And I think that really got under a lot of people's skin. And of course, let's, let's not forget the literally thousands of people who can't look at a piece like this without remembering the countless bowls of cereal that they ate out of these toxic bowls, the, the picnics with the deviled eggs in the little egg-shaped carriers. Those are very painful memories for a lot of people when they think about the long-term impacts to their health of what seemed like a blissful part of their childhood.
1: I ate a lot of iceberg lettuce out of the uh, lettuce
2: Holder.
7: She had a real drive to unveil the ecological damage that's being done by petroleum-based products. And it just happened to be Tupperware was the thing that she used. Um, And I think that she was not able to speak out loud when she was a child because it was so prevalent in her home. And so she worked it into her art. And that's why there was so much resistance to it also because, you know, people use it all the time. They use Tupperware every day and they don't, they don't want that thrown in their face that they're using a dangerous product.
1: Is there a piece of Tupperware in this particular piece?
9: Underneath the afghan, if you look really close, you can see the edge of the shape.
1: And this was the time that she just was sort of taking in Roger's opinions and thoughts, and we know Roger doesn't like Tupperware. She sort of disowned who she was for a moment, and she put the Tupperware under the blanket in that time.
0: That's part of the reason this painting is so much of a departure of her original self, is her hiding that Tupperware, her trying to become more inclusive.
5: It was just derivative of something, and it didn't mean all that much. It was sort of a cheap inspiration because she'd been surrounded by it for so long.
9: In deconstructing artistically the the Tupperware, she was deconstructing her life in a sense, which was so tightly linked at that time, to that product line. And it just kind of brought her to the place where she realized that Those are just mental constructs in the end, made of petroleum. (laughs) Likewise, she she was a simply um, construct of the culture and her immediate experiences. And so that eventually she dove deeply into that, into that exploration and um, really came to a new realization of herself and certain aspects of existence in the world itself that brought her to a transcend to a new, new understanding of art and the self. She learned from that and
5: used that as the step to kind of make the change to be able to do stuff that I think is much more interesting now.
7: She ventured into even into surrealism. So she had like dripping spoons and melting plates and things like that.
1: She began melting Tupperware onto canvas.
13: A very strange thing started to happen. She obviously wants to be a realistic painter,
5: but... Roger felt like she kind of got away from really what her potential would be. I think maybe she would have disagreed.
13: She kind of reverted back to what we had initially done, and she started working abstractly. And, I mean, abstract is very difficult. And, um, I mean, the Picassos look simple and da-da-da-da-da, but (laughs) they, of course, are not. And I think it's, uh, in a certain way, more difficult to work in the abstract. And so she had problems with that, but she pushed on.
7: It seemed to reflect uh, in advance in her awareness that you know, sometimes life just melted on you. Yeah.
13: You know.
12: George died. It was probably late August. And then then Helena came back and I was so happy to hear that she was coming back. I mean, I, w- I was sad about George, but I missed her so much. I even took the bedroom that George and Larry Jr. shared as kids and, and I turned into a little studio for her. I cleaned out all the bedroom furniture and I, I bought an easel and put it in there. I didn't even know what kind of stuff she used, but I was happy to have her back, and I wanted to support her art. Um, I, I don't really have much of an eye for that kind of thing, but but it's really important to her, and, and like I said, I was just so happy to have her back. Well, she seemed kind of lukewarm toward the little studio I'd set up, but I thought maybe I just hadn't done much of a job of it she stacked her paintings in there and, um, and put her art supplies in there. One day when she was shopping, I, I went into the room and I was kind of flipping through the paintings that she had sitting on the floor, leaned up against the wall. And, and there was one that it was just really nice. It was, it was colorful and, and it was really just a nice painting. So I took it out of her little studio and, and I put it up in the living room over the piano. Um, seemed like a nice thing to do at the time. Helena came home and, and saw it over the piano, and she just looked at me, and she was upset, clearly. I, I, I don't know why, but she wasn't happy. And I said, look, if, if I've invaded your space or something like that, I'm, I'm sorry, I'll take it down. She said, no, you don't have to take it down. But I could tell she wasn't happy.
1: That's when she really hit her height as an artist
5: that move into surrealism alienated Roger from her
6: Roger would say this painting specifically really it's hard to it's hard to point to an inspiration it's not it's not derived from a different artist it very much is Helena
13: I didn't see that any of her work was uh, as promising as as the one we just talked about but um, she had pushed on and i felt very good that she had pushed on and she felt very good that she had pushed on.
12: so helena had been back from dallas for about a week um and um one afternoon i went out and got the mail there was a package a pretty good sized package kind of squishy uh was in one of those tyvek envelope things and it was from matt um I don't know who Matt was, but it was from Dallas. I brought it back in to her and I said, you got a, you got a package here from Dallas. And uh, she opened it and it was an Afghan. Fairly ugly Afghan, I thought, but I realized it was the same Afghan that was in the painting. And I said, so what's the deal with the Afghan? She just looked at me and didn't say anything, turned around and walked out of the room. There was a note in with the Afghan, um, I know I shouldn't read it, but things didn't feel very good. The note said, I changed my mind, M.
6: Roger felt like she lost that when she moved into the more surreal things.
12: We just kind of looked at each other and, and I said, you're not happy. and. She said, I guess not.
5: She found herself repudiating this particular period of her, of her work, which is why she let this painting go. She gave it away.
12: We had one of those very civilized, very cold, um, very sterile divorces. It was uncontested on both sides. We let the lawyers split up our stuff. Um, I ended up with a house She didn't want it. Um, The one thing that I got was the painting that she hated so much, or maybe she loved it so much, I don't know. But the painting that started the whole argument when she got back ended up with me.
7: It was in a garage sale, and um, I don't remember if it was uh, Becky's sister. It came into my hands through my parents, something like that. And she didn't know what to do with it. Um, and then they had a family gathering and they decided this year that they were going to do, um, I don't remember again, it was mom, it was cousin, sister, but they, they were going to exchange gifts and they were going to do kind of like a white elephant type of thing.
11: My aunt Sadie, um, my mom's sister is not, oh, well, she's not doing really well. Uh, she's, she's still on her own, but, um, her, her kids are caring for her a lot. I, I don't know if it's Alzheimer's or dementia, or but she's she's not who she used to be. Um, she really was a neat woman. She used to have a, a gift store. I remember being a kid and going into her gift store, and she had you know she had pretty good taste. Not exactly my taste all the time. A lot of diddly stuff, but um, you know too many candles, maybe. But she she was a good woman.
14: We go out every night almost for supper because she likes to go out to the bar to, to have supper and to have uh, two or three drinks. And she just likes to do it. And we went not try and accommodate her. And you know, to that one little thing that she wants to do.
11: And my my parents like to take her out and give her kids a little bit of a break because... She she can be a challenge now. She gets kind of looping, as I like to say, in the way she talks about things. And one of the things that she really likes to do is shop. And uh, shopping um, can be expensive. <laughs> and she doesn't really want it. She just wants the experience of shopping. So my folks who really... Uh, they're not shoppers themselves. They, uh, they figured out that the way to do it is to bring her to Goodwill.
12: Louise and I had been married for, I don't know, a little over a month, six weeks, something like that. And I had to I had to go to New York for a two-week training. And Louise, I knew she had been kind of interested in the idea of, uh, of redecorating. Uh, after Helena left, uh, my house turned into kind of a guy's place anyhow. I mean, a lot of junk around, and I had that chair that all guys love and all women hate for some reason. But Louise said, Would it be okay if she changed the furniture? And things are going pretty good for us. Um, and so I said, Sure, she could do it while I was gone. And so she ordered a bunch of new furniture, all modern stuff. Um, it it wasn't what I had before. None of it was comfortable.
11: They brought it to Goodwill one day, and they saw this picture that was hanging up on the wall at Goodwill, and I don't know what they paid for it, $30 or something. Um, they brought it home. She was completely delighted. And uh, my dad uh, got out the ladder, put a picture hanger in the wall, and hung it over her fireplace, and... Um, left, and just, she was so happy about it.
12: After I got back from that training in New York, I, I was driving down the alley and pulled into the garage, and as I pulled in, I saw that, well, Louise had taken the painting that I liked so much and and put it with the trash. It was out there for the garbage men to pick up.
11: Well, they come back the next week to take her out again, out to dinner, and for their shopping expedition to goodwill and the picture's gone. There it was, just the hook, no picture. Well, my dad's been through this before, so he goes out into the garage and there it is, stacked in the stacks of other stuff.
14: And she likes being able to go out in the garage and paddle around and I think in some ways it it's nice for her to be able to do that because they say the more you do, the better it is for you.
12: I knew she didn't like it, but I didn't think she'd just get rid of it. I, uh, I, I I was kind of broken up about that, I don't know why. I wanted to pick it up, but I didn't. I left it there.
14: I said, well, you know what we could do? I said, you tell me what you want to put in your garage sale, and I'll put some tables out front, out in the garage, in the driveway. And we'll have a
12: garage sale. We had dinner, went to sleep, and next morning, having having coffee in the kitchen, and Louise is busy doing something, I don't know what, and and I hear those big diesel garbage trucks rumbling down the alley.
11: So fall time came, and they were clearing out the garage, and the picture um, was up for sale, and my Aunt Sadie... Who, if she loves anything more than shopping, it's playing store. Uh, just is in her element. She's got her cash box down there and her change, and I think it probably reminds her of the gift shop. And
12: they're so noisy and so early in the morning. I could hear him getting closer and closer, and I, and I knew that painting was probably still out there unless someone had taken it overnight. Kind of hope someone had taken it overnight.
11: My parents. Uh, Came over and they were uh, helping out at the garage sale, and lo and behold, somebody comes up and wants to buy the painting.
12: I could hear the garbage trucks next door.
11: And Aunt Sadie, who it only lasted a week in her house, and then ended up back out in the garage, just uh, becomes attached to this thing again.
12: So I, I went out back, <laughs> wearing uh, wearing a. a a house coat and uh in slippers in the snow not the smartest thing to do but it went out back and and i took the painting it was still there just before the garbage men got there and they kind of laughed at me for the way i was dressed we waved and smiled i took the painting and i put it in the trunk of my car i couldn't take it back inside i didn't want louise to be upset about it she had clearly thrown it away because she didn't want it around anymore.
11: Oh, gal, you know I just slay me if I ever get that attached to things. So anyway, Aunt Sadie, who was not the least bit interested in this picture and it could have disappeared and she wouldn't have thought anything more of it, was um, once it was going to be bought, suddenly was completely consumed by its value again. And she came to find out that, asked this woman where she, what she was going to do with it, where she was going to hang it in her house, I think is what Mom and Dad said that she said. Where are you going to hang that in your house? And this woman said, no, I'm not going to hang it. I'm going to paint over it. I'm an artist, and I'm going to paint over it. And Sadie turned on a dime and just could not, could not let it go.
14: She always looks, she looks like a million bucks, to tell you the truth. It's better than I do, I'll tell you that. And, um, I mean, she looks like she always did. I mean, you wouldn't know anything is wrong with her until you, you know, talk to her.
11: She was not going to have any of it. And they could tell, too, that if they pressed her too hard, that she probably, she'd probably have an episode, as mom and dad call it, an episode, which is really just kind of where she blows her stack and starts yelling. And, um, They thought it best to just uh, let this uh, woman customer go by, and she kind of, I think, knew that Aunt Sadie was not operating um, under her full capacity and walked away without buying the painting.
12: So later that afternoon, uh, I made an excuse to go out, and I went to the Goodwill store, and I gave them the painting. So our old furniture and Helena's painting ended up at Goodwill. I never saw it again.
7: She wrapped it up and uh, gave it to Becky for Christmas one year.
11: So mom and dad came up for Thanksgiving in their four Taurus packed to the gunnels. I don't know how they did it. They got that that dining room table into their tiny little car. Uh, you know, Daddy can take anything apart. And Those chairs, though, I don't know how he got them in. Well, they couldn't get them all in because they had to leave one behind, but they got five of the chairs in and and then had a little slice of space left, so popped the painting in.
15: Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday
14: to you. Happy birthday, dear Bestie. Happy birthday to you and many more. I know you're working. I'm going to call you there and torture you,
11: too. Bye-bye. You know how sometimes when you have those visits with your parents where you just feel like a grown-up? We'd clean the house top to bottom because Mom and Dad band, they are. They might be getting up in, in the years, but they could still spot the dirt balls, or if they can't, I spot them on their behalf. So we clean it top to bottom.
15: Hi, Becky. This is Dad. This is curious how you was doing. I had a big box of geese just come right down over the top of the house. It's beautiful. Weird. I always wondering how you was doing. I had a computer question for you, but that's not important. Hope you're doing okay. Bye.
11: You know, there's something special about your dad doing something for you. You know how that is? He brought his tools up. I'm an adult. I have a hammer, but, you know, Dad brings his hammer. God bless him. He put the table back together, and then he had my husband come, and they turned it over, and Mom got the pledge out and wiped it down. and Got the tablecloth ironed and the candlesticks polished. Now, Mom's the only one I know that still polishes silver, but she polished the silver and put the candlesticks on there.
15: We had macaroni and tomatoes tonight. With Becky's tomato sauce. Wow, it was good. Macaroni tomato sauce and salmon. It was really good. Just want to thank you
14: for it. Goodbye. Hi Becky. Hi Brian. It's Tracy. I was just calling to um wish you luck and tell you that I love you and that we're thinking about you and everything's gonna be fine. I know you're probably a little bit stressed out, but, you know, let, let people take care of it, and it'll all go good. So, love you. Talk to you later. Bye-bye, honey. Hi, Becky. Just curious to hear about your trip. I talked to Amy yesterday and she told me how much fun you had and I just wondered how everything was. Aren't those kids the cutest ever? Bye-bye.
11: Oh. And then they brought in the painting. But Becky... Didn't really want it. So, Dad, as he'd done it, Aunt Sadie's got out the ladder and hung that picture up. She was just being polite. And the minute he hung it up, I just thought, yeah, there was something really satisfying about it. It was original art. Somebody had a creative impulse, had sat down and devised a palette. It was neat. So she puts it on eBay. It's super easy to get rid of something you don't
16: like. So I was, I was getting my car fixed. I was sitting in Jiffy Lube and I was going through Facebook and there was this painting. I saw a link to this painting.
11: But if you get rid of something that you're kind of attached to, there's, there's, you spin the karma wheel a little bit better. Like there's something that makes me stronger. It's better exercise. It's like putting the Stairmaster on 12. If I get rid of something that I'm a little attached to. And the bidding started at $100. When I first put it on eBay, I put a value on it that I thought was completely ridiculous. You know, $100, what the heck? I went to $150, 12, 253
16: Yeah, I was bored. So I, I, I bid on it. I bid $375 on this painting.
11: When somebody bid on it, okay, this is this is kind of a confession here. This this is a little bit embarrassing. As soon as I saw somebody put a $100 bid on it, I called up a friend of mine and I told him to bid on it.
16: I went and did some other stuff and came back to it and, and I see somebody else has bid on it. This is Matt Lone Star.
11: So I'm sort of like bidding against myself on eBay. It's just so goofy.
16: And uh, I bid again, and, uh, and he bids, and so I, so I'm, I'm, I'm in this bidding war suddenly just sitting and you know getting my car fixed with this Matt Lone Star. It's
11: up to 400 bucks. I wasn't sure what the heck was going on. You
16: know, it wasn't it was a nice painting. I liked the painting. You know, it, it, it looked nice. It was a nice painting, but I wanted to get this painting. It, it, it was, I I wanted to, I wanted to, I wanted to win, T- to be the one who actually. Got the thing. It
11: was, it just became, yeah, it became, it became something else. It became, it just made me feel like Aunt Sadie hadn't really lost it. You know, here she was. She had a good eye. Part of her that still knew, could pick out, had that good taste that she used to have in her gift store was still there. And I guess we want to feel like people.
16: Are who they were. So I don't know who, who this guy was. Uh, Matt Lone Star. I'm wondering, is this is like, is he in a parallel universe? You know, is he sitting in a jiffy lube, you know, getting his car worked on like I am, bidding on a, a painting? Is that, is that what's going on?
11: You know, and I wasn't sure. I really, re- really wanted to sell it when it came right down to it.
16: There he was, determined to be triumphant. And I was.
10: At finally at 950 the bidding closed.
16: I probably overpaid for it, but you know, that's, I guess that's all right. It's not the most convenient time to be buying a painting since I'm moving.
11: I did have some regrets. The money was just too much. You know, I couldn't, I just couldn't justify to not sell it for that amount. Um, it was, you know, almost a thousand dollars and that's just a lot of money. I mean, that's, and I, you know, I'd already gotten the check. So I had a, had a deal. There was, you know,
10: no way out of it at that point. It ended up in the office of a very well-known
16: dentist. I I put the the painting up uh, right by the elevator. So as soon as you walk in, that's the first thing you see. Made the office, kind of warmed up the office a little bit, made it look nice.
11: When I wrapped it all up and, you know, I had to wrap it pretty well because now it's (laughs) $1,000, almost $1,000 painting. So I had to like really pay to wrap it up and
16: Every day I'm going up the stairs, uh often say hi to the uh the receptionist of the law office on the second floor. One day I I yeah, I was feeling fairly brave and I stopped in and I I I asked her out. Yeah, you know, I wanted to see what she'd say.
11: Um I guess I had a chance to step outside of my regular self. Instead, I I sold it and um
16: she said, uh, "Not until you get better taste in art. Uh, not, not until I get better taste in art." Okay, so yeah, I, I could take it a lot of different ways. Uh, yeah, I took it to mean she's kind of letting me down easy. She wasn't really that interested, but she's being nice, you know. And I, I get that. I, 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 I totally understand. I didn't,
2: I didn't think too much more about it. The, the value of these paintings really did take off, at least locally, once people understood enough of the history to realize that this was the same woman that in her 20s was a well-respected landscape architect. Every, every once in a while, I would, I would uh, if I was coming in uh,
16: early to the office on a Monday morning, I'd, I'd, I'd bring her a latte. I'd, just, I'd bring a latte, drop it off, talk, you know, maybe make a joke or two, uh, just some small talk. Uh, before I
2: headed up to the office. Um. The precision of her black and white photographs is so different from what she did later in life. After all of these things happened, she had to deal with the death of her father. Uh, everything changed for her. And so that contrast you know, with, with that precise black and white photography of, of her, uh, really her early and, and mid-20s really made people more interested in collecting this work now.
12: Her black and white photography was amazing. It was really important to her. She did, a, it, she did a lot of good black and white work, made some beautiful big prints. We still have some of them in the house.
6: In all of her black and white landscape photography, there's actually a piece of Tupperware hidden somewhere uh, that's barely visible, but
12: uh, definitely there. Uh, one time we were camping, and uh, I had left a kind of a mess around the campfire and uh and helena was setting up for this really nice shot of half dome um it's a big rock formation that weston had done and adams had done and and when we did our half dome shot i left some tupperware in the picture by mistake beside the edge of the campfire and since it was black and white it didn't you know stand out and she just left it in there when she made the print and after that it was kind of a joke and and we would sneak a tiny piece of Tupperware into the edge of the picture someplace. It it was a private joke just between the two of us. No one else ever saw those things, Uh, but we knew it was there, and and it was important to us. It was kind of a a secret laugh between us. Hey, I just want to thank you for
15: the chili sauce. I made me a chili sauce pickle sandwich on toast. I used to make those when I was a kid. It was really good. Your mom had some, and she's going to cook fried rice tonight, just so we can put some of that on there, because it really goes good with fried rice. So uh, thanks again. And you're probably out shoveling the snow from what I've seen in the paper. My goodness. <laughs> you know, I'll talk to you later. Bye.
2: So I think the real mystery we're all interested in is is how it ended up in Becky's living room.
16: And one morning, she said, "So, have you gotten rid of that painting yet?" And I thought, "What was she? What what is that about? Is she serious?" And that night, I was I was staying late at the office. You know, the receptionist for for our office was gone, and the hygienist was gone. Was walking towards the door, got my coat put it on, stopped, looked at that painting, thought about it for a minute, took it down, carried it down the stairs, put it in the car, and that was that.
2: It never would have happened. I mean, the odds are astronomical that it would end up back here, except for that car accident and the legal trouble that came afterwards.
11: I was on my bike. I had a big gallon of ice cream. One of those big gallon tubs. I was
16: pulling out of the alley.
11: so there I am biking along a kind of wobbly way on the bike. there's a car that came out of an alley and
16: a woman on a bike hit my car
11: of course, like an idiot, fell down, I actually scraped my shin on the side of the pedal
16: and uh, she was on the ground. I was yeah you know, I was concerned as any person would be, so I got out of the car. I've
11: got those stupid kind of
16: pedals with the
11: brackets on them, which are great, except when you need to get out of them quickly. And the bike kind of came over on top of me, and I scraped my my shin, and I was embarrassed for being on the sidewalk.
16: And she seemed kind of embarrassed. I think she realized she hadn't been paying attention. She said, no, no, no.
11: But the, the guy could not have been nicer. He was such a sweetheart. He got out, and I think I dented him his car, car a little bit, but he was... All he was really concerned about was me. He's like...
16: And said, are you okay? Can I help you?
11: He said, well, at least I've got some paper towels in the car. Come on over and give you a paper towel to put around where that, your shin is bleeding. So I hobbled over there and... um,
16: So I opened up the back door of the car, got some paper towels.
11: And I looked in and, you know, of course there's no mistaking it. There's only one painting like that. And
16: I, you know, I... Pull off a paper towel for her, and and she's looking at that painting like she just saw a ghost.
11: There it was. And weird thing, he had it upside down, but I, of course, recognized it immediately. Could not have mistaken it.
16: Didn't really think much of it. I gave her a paper towel and she, you know, wiped the blood off of her leg.
11: I mean, the combination of circumstances. Never, almost never, never ride on the sidewalk. Had I not been trying, balancing that gallon of ice cream, I would have stopped my bike before I hit a car. And, you know, had he been a jerk, he would have yelled at me about the car instead of helping me out. So, and then even to think of, well, it could have been wrapped up, could have been in his trunk, it could have been just backwards on the seat. I would never, ever have known. I was already a little bit embarrassed because I'd run into his car and... I didn't want to now say ask him about the painting because he would have thought I was completely ridiculous. So I I just let it go and you know asked me.
16: I asked her anything else I can do for you? Yeah, you know, really. Are you all right? And she said, Yeah, yeah, I'm fine.
11: I just wanted to get get the heck back.
16: I got into my car, uh, drove drove down the street. She got her bike.
11: I'm going the same way he is, and um, he's a couple of blocks ahead. And
16: Traffic's slow, and the bikes bikes are moving faster than traffic.
11: There are a bunch of people stopping to wait for a light on that street.
16: She's waving at me, and I'm wondering, oh, is, is everything still okay? I, I don't know what's going on. Hopped off of my bike. I was like, hey! At the stoplight, she knocks on my window. I must have looked a little crazy because he looked actually
11: looked kind of startled.
16: So I rolled down the window.
11: And he rolled down his window, and he said, Are you okay? Are you okay?
16: It's loud. I mean, it's obviously, there's traffic, it's loud. There's a big garbage truck right nearby. It's doing whatever garbage trucks do. And she's talking in the window saying... Tell me about the picture. Blah, 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 painting. You know, my hearing isn't very good on that side.
11: Without even saying anything, he got out of the car right there in the lane of traffic.
16: My understanding was that she wanted the painting.
11: He opened up the back door... And he handed me the picture. And he said, I think I think it belongs to you.
16: I said to her, Take it, it's yours.
11: At that point he hops back in the car, closes the door, and he's all gone. And that that was it. The last I saw him. So I'm standing there in the middle of traffic. Now people are honking because I've, you know, stopped this traffic.
16: The funny thing was she left the bike leaning up against a tree and walked down the sidewalk with the painting.
11: I've got a gallon of melting ice cream, and this large orange painting in my hand, and a bicycle, so.
16: I never saw the painting again.
11: Couldn't manage it all. Just walk home with this with this picture and this gallon of ice cream.
12: I guess I'm the most gullible guy on earth. Long story short is that now it's Louise's house and I live in an apartment. I'm on my own, still don't do much of a job of taking care of myself. And my apartment looks like a guy lives there. Um, but I don't spend my time wondering about somebody else's emotions and somebody else's well-being. I, uh, I've started taking black and white photos again, though. Um, I don't put Tupperware in them anymore, but I'm enjoying spending the time outdoors. And, uh, my photos are getting better. Uh, still not as good as the ones that Helena made, but maybe someday.
2: The brightly colored circles and rectangles stacked on top of one another in one of her more typical paintings today are actually Tupperware and the colors of fiesta used in used in a very abstract way.
16: So the following Monday, I uh, brought in two lattes, one for myself and one for Berta. And uh, I brought it to her desk and I said, I I have something to show you.
3: Once they moved out of our local neighborhood, my world was just pretty much the cul-de-sac in our neighborhood. And so um, we kind of lost touch Did the Christmas cards here and there, but I haven't heard from uh, Helena in many, many years.
16: So we both got into the elevator, went up to the fifth floor. The elevator doors open, and... And we just stood there and stared at a blank wall.
0: Every time there's a spotting of Adams,
12: the values of all her works go up. Louise had been gone for over a year. Um, I went to uh, I went to an exhibition. Um, I thought would be interesting. Um, it was uh, supposed to be black and white architectural photography, and when I got there, the the place was filled with with kind of modern abstract art and and i asked the people at the at the desk i said what happened to the photography and they said oh that was two weeks ago you missed that exhibition well i was there so i went in and looked at the abstract art and and across the room i saw helena
0: and so the longer it hangs on the wall for now at least the more valuable it becomes
12: some of her art was there she was doing abstracts now I don't know how good they were. Um, I'm really not into that kind of thing. But she was there and and she saw me, I saw her. We couldn't avoid it, so.
10: Even though her latest sighting was that um, in Las Vegas, she was working um, housekeeping at the Hotel Sands.
12: I asked her if she had found I don't know how to say this, if she had found another husband, but it's not what I said. I think I said something like, what's going on in your life or something like that.
3: Well, I think the women in the neighborhood were a little bit um, envious and admired her, um, the fact that she kind of branched out and did something on her own and uh, embraced you know, her creative side uh, and looked at it as um, quite innovative for the time and brave. They, they looked at her as brave for, Pursuing it and being creative, so, yeah, so she did have an impact.
12: And she volunteered that, uh, that she was still alone, that she was enjoying her art. There's something about that
7: uh, anonymity of, of just going and working in a hotel and, and kind of being able to get on with, like, an everyday life and create or paint or do whatever you want.
12: We exchanged email addresses. We probably should have said... I'll give you my email address, but please don't write me, um, because we never did.
7: She's just disappeared into the life, taking care of herself and painting exactly what she wants without any repercussions from anybody. Nobody, nobody can, nobody can get
13: to her. We parted on a very warm note. Um, I said to her, "You know, you've been one of the best students I've ever had." And she looked at me and she says, well, you're one of the best instructors I've ever had. <laughs> we both <left>. laughed. And she turned on her heel and left. With her paintings, I might add. Uh, until...
2: As the party guests found an ending to their story about how a painting of a fireplace ended up in Becky's living room, there was a knock at the door. It was Jim. He and his date, a tall, dark-haired woman with striking green eyes, had just come from a play at the walker. The couple didn't stay long, but once they finally did head out, the distinct smell of green apples lingered in the air.
4: You have been listening to Quoted, the Question of the Day podcast. I am Rebecca Smith. Thank you for being here. I had a lot of fun making this episode. A big thank you to everybody who helped me make it. As I mentioned earlier, you can see a picture of the painting we were talking about on the website. It's at questionpodcast.com, questionpodcast.com, okay? Uh, I guess that's all I have until next time. Take care of yourself.